I'm Brian Wallace. And we welcome you to another episode of Awareness and Transformation. Uh, technically episode three. Technically episode three. But episode two hasn't been edited yet. Yes. So that's coming out later, but yes. So technically episode three. Uh, I, we really, I really felt uh, this topic we're gonna to talk about is very important. I was tasked to do the P News article. If some of you may read, the P News article comes out every Thursday. Usually our um, executive writes the, the article for that, and uh, which has been pretty powerful lately. Um, it's always powerful, but really powerful lately. And uh, he's on vacation. So I had asked Brian and I to kind of pitch it, pinch it for him. And uh, as I started to write uh, the topic that he and I, Brian and I are gonna discuss today, I, I thought this would be more impactful if I got my brother and we sat here together spoke authentically about these two things I'm about to say uh, that I know as soon as I say them will be will bring a lot of passion for a number of you. Critical race theory and Juneteenth. Why do I say yes? Yes. Why do I say no? Yeah. I know why I say yes. I know why you say yes because you're my brother. So just, I want to give you a, a short synopsis of, of how Brian and I got here. I was writing the article and I started to read a couple things. Uh, Jamar Tisby, who is the author of uh, The Color of Compromise, is very influential for me. And uh, I had read or heard some things that he had mentioned. And just to give you a background, Juneteenth is the celebration of the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863, two years later. 1865, two years later, uh, Galveston, Texas, uh, they finally get the general order that um, African Americans are free. Uh, I started to think about that. And as Jamar Tismi says, you know, that general order did start out with, and it is a celebration, the freeing of African Americans. But in addition to that, it also said, yes, you're free, but you have to stay on the, planta on the plantation. Your plantation owners have to pay you a fair wage, but you have to stay. And if you choose not to stay, if you leave, the, the government can't help you if you decide to leave. Um, it was a moment for me as I thought about that, and I thought about the fact that Juneteenth passed through Congress, Brian, unanimously as a federal holiday those same congressmen and congresswomen are now progressing laws that are prohibiting critical race theory to be taught basically in schools. And what is important for me to say here is even in Juneteenth, the, the emancipation, the freeing of African Americans in this country, which should be celebrated by all, black, white, everyone. Even in that general decree, there are tropes, creative ways of marginalizing, specifically here, African Americans. I couldn't help to draw that tangent to what's happening today where we are trying to disenfranchise voters. We are trying to disenfranchise our education of race and its impact in America today. 
it's very telling. Whenever we call ourselves Christians, whenever we seek to, to, to have a lived life, uh, a life of uh, a lived faith, I think, Brian, it's important for us, a necessity, if we are going to truly love our neighbor, to understand who our neighbor is and what their needs truly are. I know critical race theory is, is a hot button topic. I just wanna make two more points and I, and I wanna ask you a question. The first is critical race theory is exactly that. It is a theoretical framework. To my knowledge, there's no curriculum out there to be taught in schools, to my knowledge. Okay, unless you take an elective, I should say, probably in, in a graduate class. I will say that in a graduate, but you choose to learn that. Critical race theory is a framework, a critical framework of society, of life, where policies are made that unfortunately enhance the creative ways people are marginalized. And if you have that lens, and I think we're called to as Christians, we can then adapt our thinking, our policy making, the way we go about our lived faith in a way that no longer marginalizes individuals, but actually helps and enhances for all to come together and be loved and understand how we are loved together. I said a lot there, Brian. I did. So I wanted to ask you, when you hear that, when you, when you hear these, the, these, these tropes towards um, a, a lived faith, how part of that, unfortunately, or, or fortunately in this matter, is to have a critical lens. Mm -hmm to our history, what comes to your mind? So, two things come to my mind. I think the first thing that comes to my mind, and I made this comment in one of our, of our episodes last year, is like for a long time, I would have said out loud that a bigger issue in this country than race is socioeconomic disparity, mm. right? Critical race theory would say, but is there a racial aspect or component that that impacts socioeconomic disparity, right? So, as I said last season, it's not that I was wrong. Right. I wasn't. You were not. I was incomplete in my understanding, mm -hmm. right? And with critical race theory, the whole framework and the approach seems to say, look, just because something isn't explicitly about race doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's, it's not, not about, about race. race. That's right. right. And that's, I think, the important thing, especially for like white audiences who are like, yeah, but I'm being told critical race theory is about learning to hate white people, mm -hmm. right? No, it's about telling a complete or looking at history in a little bit broader sense. That's right. And saying, just because this is over here doesn't seem to really be about this, mm -hmm. are they somewhat connected? Mm -hmm. And what I got thinking about when we were prepping for this is our good friend from the Bible, David. Yes. Okay, now on the surface, David has nothing to do with race relations, mm -hmm. okay? But I think David actually is a good lens for how I think we need to approach this. So, mm -hmm. David is a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. David Absolutely. is praised throughout scripture. David kills Goliath. The kingdom of Israel peaks under David. Mm -hmm. David is so good that not only do the southern kingdoms want him, the northern kingdoms are like, hey, be our, be our king too, mm -hmm. right? David is the man, right? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm stopped right there. Oh, you cannot stop right there. Why can't I stop right there? Because to, 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 to and I love that you, you brought David into this, to truly understand 
David and David's relationship with God and people, you have to know the full story about David. And that's exactly the point, is that if you do not understand that David was both a man after God's own heart, a wonderful general, and had some serious, serious moral failings in his life, had some serious issues throughout his life, then you don't understand the complete picture of who David is. And if you want a lens for understanding at a base level, the challenge, and we said this last season, even before before critical race theory became a popular subject, Mm -hmm. like you need to understand the complete history of racial dynamics in this country. Yes, I could could not agree more. And if you're not willing to do that, you're, it's like reading about David killing Goliath and that's it. That's not the whole story, right? So yeah, Juneteenth, the work of Abraham Lincoln, Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil Rights Act, all these things that we have done that were steps in the right direction. But they were steps. They were steps. And if you only read that, right? And if you don't read about voting rights, ongoing voting rights challenges, if you don't read about redlining, Mm -hmm. if you don't read about how zoning laws were done Mm -hmm. and, and and federal loan programs yes. underwrite home ownership. Yes. All, if you don't understand those things, then you're getting an incomplete view of the history of race relations. Oh, I, it, it's so true. And I think, I think another way I want to I want to say this is, um, and, and I, I apologize, I can't remember where I read this or heard this. So, if someone sees this, I, I give you credit. I just can't remember where it is right now. Ralph didn't come up with it. I did, I did not come up with this, but you know, I think for some of us. We think of freedom, like freedom is not binary, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. So, so that's a good way to put it. So freedom is not binary. So, so in in our and as Christians, as we embrace the Christ-like faith, if we think of freedom as not being binary, there are steps to be taken into freedom, whatever the whatever the freedom is. Uh, in this case, we're talking about people of color and, and the freedom to live, the freedom to be the imago Dei that 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 we are that we are, mm-hmm. right? Um, not through your lens, but through you know, through through the, through, through God. And because freedom is not binary, we can no longer look at an event or a set of events and say, "See, here we are. We've arrived," right? So just as Juneteenth should be celebrated, and it absolutely should be, it is probably one of the most significant events um, in our history when it comes to people of color, to to black people specifically. But in that same day, we're celebrating the emancipation, the freedom of, of people of color. There are also tropes of marginalization, of oppression, even in the Declaration of Freedom that if we don't take a critical lens at that, we miss the opportunity to move closer into that justice dream, that flow of freedom that we're all striving to succeed and be into. Um, I don't, we don't bring this topic up to be controversial. Brian is very good at reminding me the work that we do in the presbytery as far as leadership is to, to, to guide people to be the churches, pastors, to be the best they can be in their ministry. This, for us to talk about this is really what I wanted and what my opinions article would have been, would be to guide my brothers and sisters 
specifically my white brothers and sisters, to be the best Christians you can be. We can be the best people we can be. I need you to, to be able to look critically at history and see where we have failed so that we don't make the same mistakes moving forward. Sometimes our failings are based on race and we have to be able to acknowledge that, accept it, not feel guilty, accept it and do our best as believers to move as far as we can into that freedom that I described earlier. Again, I have to say this, I know this is a hot topic right now. It seems like everything in society is polarizing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and a hot topic, it really does. But I hope in this conversation between Brian and I, you, you, you get a sense of what really matters, what, what, what it's really meant by this critical race theory, or, or even, even this sense of freedom that is the overarching um, umbrella of why we're here and why we're doing this. The, the, the freedom to, 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 be, to come together um, as a freed people in a way that you and I may not ever get to experience, to be honest with you. Brian, is it asking too much of our brothers and sisters to do this? No. So, and let me explain why, right? Like, no, it's not, because we are called to love God and to love others, right? And like, we are not, that is not just a private, like, love others immediately around you. That is to understand that you are part of a greater community. You're a part of a regional community, a national community, an international community. And those are your brothers and sisters, too. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, like, like, when Jesus says love others, he didn't just mean the people you like. That's driven throughout Scripture. And so to learn, to learn to love others, you've got to understand their history in a way that, that makes you at least aware of mm. how their experiences of life have been different yeah. than yours. Yeah. And if I can make one like parallel yeah. that just jumped to me. Yeah. So a lot of time in race conversations, people will say, well, who are probably white, will say, but I grew up poor too. Right? I grew up poor. And what a lot of people say is, but I grew up poor, but I made it. I figured it out. Okay? And what this approach would say is, right, you grew up poor. So that was, that puts you at a societal disadvantage yes. compared to others. Yes. There's no questioning that. Right? Yes. It doesn't, this doesn't seem to, ne to negate very real factors in life yes, that sir. white people have faced challenges. Yes. But what it says is, okay, so now take that and say, all right, Let's say that you are, uh, that you came out of a low-income family situation, and let's say low-income and a racial minority, yeah. and did did being a racial minority increase the, the adverse level of impact of already being a lower socioeconomic family did? Yeah. And the answer, by the way, the research shows across the board is yes, yes, yes it does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, is that even if you can say, look, these are very similar socioeconomic statuses that the racial disparity does have a greater level of adverse impact. So this doesn't seek to negate very real challenges that people of all races have experienced. It says, but is race an additional layer on top of it? Mm -hmm. So it's not an all or nothing. That's right. It's, uh, it's yeah, there's multiple sum. factors here. Absolutely. And that's why I liked your idea of like, freedom's not binary, yeah. right? Systemic access is not binary. That's right. It's not, yes, you have access to the system, 
or no, you don't, right? Yes. And I'll give you a very simple uh, way to understand it. If you're African American and the voting place for you is, is at the school across the street, mm -hmm. you have a higher level of systemic access That's right. than if it's a 20 minute bus ride. That's right. Right. So even within the same, uh, on the same issue, mm -hmm. it's not always the same depending on your little literal position in society. Yes. So it's complicated. It and is. that would be kind of my, to wrap up my yeah. like, my ramble here. The racial history of the United States is complicated. Mm -hmm. And from 1699, it is complicated. Mm -hmm. And if, if we as white folks are not willing to deal with that complexity, then it literally is sticking your head in the sand and equivalent to saying, David was a great and perfect leader. Like yeah. that's the logic. Yeah. Is if you're not willing to take a deeper look and really look at it, you're like, David was a great man and there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. Yeah. And biblically we know it's not true. Absolutely. That, that's fantastic. And thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so, so I hope this was helpful for all of you. I, I really want to thank Brian, if I'm being honest, um, there are a few white individuals, white men, uh, who I call brother, who I would trust having this conversation with. Uh, because I, I know it's complicated and I know it's hard. Uh, and I know it's something that, uh, you know, as a pastor, if you're listening to it, you're not going to go on Sunday morning and stand oh, up and no, no, start no, preaching no, about no. critical race theory or, or maybe not even Juneteenth. Uh, but I do realize there's an opportunity for all of us to understand how we are called, what are, who we are called to be as Christians in society today, in the life that we live today, in our lived faith. Uh, and take action because I need you to. My four teenage boys mm -hmm. need you to. Because it's only together will we be able to get to a day where that freedom is actually upheld and done. And, fur and further along than we are now. And further that's, along that's than we are now. So, so thank you so much for, for, for listening to us for the short period of time. I hope it's impactful for your life. Um, thank you.